0: is a house in New Orleans, they call the rising sun, and it's been a ruin of many a poor boy, and God, I know I've won.
1: Welcome to the show BG calling in this week no Randy no Zach but BG we're going to preview uh, Vikings Bears a little bit here and then we're going to talk Gophers Iowa uh, just kind of previewing that matchup as well and then we'll we're not going to do pick segment this week um, on the show at least you're going to post those on Instagram tomorrow BG or maybe uh, Saturday uh, with all of our picks for the week. But let's start Vikings and Bears Monday night football. Uh, we talked a little bit about Kirk Cousins' struggles on Monday night. I think his record is 1-9. Uh, I didn't confirm that. It might be 1-8. in 1-8 or 1-9, something like that on Monday night football. I talked about last week how seven of those losses were with the Washington football team, who, in my opinion, is the worst organization in the entire National Football League in terms of front office, how they're run, Uh, it's a complete mess in Washington. So I really don't think you can, you don't go into this game really worried about Kirk Cousins, especially with the way the Vikings have been playing uh, from an offensive standpoint the last two weeks. Um, BG, I want to talk a little bit of offensive line here, uh, because I think that's the key to victory, uh, really the rest of the season here. So I'm going to go through each player uh, on the offensive line this week, give a little bit about them. How I think they've been playing. If you got a comment on them, go ahead and give your comment. If not, we can move to the next one. Uh, but I'm going to go through each offense alignment here uh, and give a little bit, okay? Sounds good. So, starting on the left side, let's go with Riley Reef, left tackle. Uh, in my opinion, and based on some uh, other media reports and just reading about him this year and how he's performed, it's one of the best seasons he's had in his career, one of the best seasons he had with the Vikings. Uh, and despite the 3-5 and start for the Minnesota Vikings, he's had a really good individual season. He took the pay cut, stayed with Minnesota. I I mean, this comes after he says he's not going to take the pay cut. He says goodbye to everybody in the organization, and then he comes back, and and now he's playing really, really good. I mean, this is the best we've seen him play in Minnesota, Uh, and that's really exciting, especially the last two weeks as a Minnesota Vikings fan, to have some confidence for once in Rally Reef and have some confidence in our left tackle.
2: Yeah, Reef is actually playing unbelievable this season, which I never thought we'd say about a Vikings offensive lineman, especially a tackle. But um, I was looking on Twitter Twitter today, and he's given up zero sacks this entire season. And that is huge, obviously, um, when your position is the left tackle. And uh, like you said, he took a pay cut to still be on the roster this season. It's going to be interesting to see what the Vikings do with him in the future, if we choose to re sign him or release him, because even though he took a pay cut, he still has a very large contract. But I mean, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing this season, I, I say we got to keep him. We have a veteran guy who is a phenomenal blocker now. And over the past two seasons, I guess I kind of overlooked, and I think Vikings fans too, just looking around on Twitter, that he hasn't been fully healthy the past two seasons. So now that he is fully healthy, we can see what he can do. And he's staying on the field for this whole season so far, knock on wood. And he's playing lights out at the most important position on the offensive line. So it's really encouraging from him.
1: Yes, sir. Let's move on to the left guard, Dakota Dozier. Really the only spot along the offensive line right now. I mean, we've had some issues with Drew Samia and other offensive linemen that have mixed in. Uh, but currently with this starting lineup the last two games, Dakota Dozier uh, has been the worst among the offensive line. He's been good uh, in run blocking uh, as per the rest of the team. It's a very good, if not great, run blocking uh, front five for the Minnesota Vikings. This Minnesota moving company uh, is truly that, a moving company. They can run block tremendously well across uh, the line. You know, all five guys are good run blockers. But really Dakota Dozier struggles with that pass protection, particularly when he's with guys who are a little bit bigger than he is, he, he gets, you know, overpowered at times, uh, in the past protection. So one area to work on, but you really can't say he's had a bad year run blocking when you have a guy like Dalvin cook putting up the numbers he's putting up, uh, behind him. So, I mean, definitely concerns with Dakota Dozier moving forward. I don't think he's the permanent piece at the left guard position. Uh, Really, the only position in my mind along the front four that we're or among the front five we're going to talk through right now that I think you need to replace next season, but uh, he's a, he's a decent run blocker in my opinion. Let's go on to the center here, Garrett Bradbury, second year. Obviously, the first rounder last year uh, didn't play as good as we had hoped. Made up an improvement this season, maybe not as big big of a jump as many people would have liked, uh, but he's playing better, and as I said before, he's a really good run blocker. Also struggles in pass protection like the rest of the offensive line, but he's taken a step forward from a year ago, at least a, a big enough step where people aren't calling him a bust as a first round pick, um, but still a lot of things to work on uh, at center with Garrett Bradbury, but I think, you know, I, I don't think we're looking for a new center next year. I think he uh, is good enough right now, and he's making the progress that we need him to make at that position. Moving on to right guard, Ezra Cleveland. Obviously struggled tremendously in the debut, uh, and that was pretty evident with the way that the broadcast went, kind of highlighting him in his rookie debut. Obviously he had a lot of high hopes for him uh, in that debut, and he, he really fell flat. He played awful. Uh, but since then, he has turned it around tremendously. I mean, you could not have asked for a better turnaround at right guard for Ezra Cleveland. I mean, he's played great, and he's had the two best games of his season and his young NFL career the last two weeks in a row, and he keeps putting games like that uh, together. I mean, you're talking about a long career for this guy. And at right, at right guard, I'm very confident in Ezra Cleveland being the future uh, for the Minnesota Vikings at right guard.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's really encouraging to see uh, one of the rookies kind of step up and have some com- composure within himself after, like you said, not starting off too hot, but getting right back into it. And he is a phenomenal, phenomenal run blocker, probably the best run blocker on our offensive line. And we have a full slate of them, but he just gets to that second level, moves past the defensive lineman, and goes to the linebackers that gets that hole open for open for Delvin Cook once he gets past the initial defenders so he has a way to bounce out like we've seen so many times so it's really encouraging that um he's kind of gone in the right path these past six games really since his rookie premiere so um i know we're going to need more of that especially with the vikings offense that relies so heavily um on the run and it's great to have a young guy and a cheap guy uh like that lead the way certainly and
1: yeah like you mentioned cleveland Sky's the limit for him. Moving on now to right tackle Brian O'Neill. Uh, I mean, he's proven really he's not a one-hit wonder. He had the great season last year where he give, he didn't give up a sack through. I think it was 16 weeks. I think he gave up a sack in week 17. Uh, but as a rookie, that's a, a tremendous feat at right tackle, uh, and, and he's proven that he he's not just a one-hit wonder. He hasn't been as dominant as he was last season, uh, but that's to be expected as. He's scouted more, and there's more film on him. Guys are going to start to figure out his moves and how he pass protects and run blocks. Uh, but he's been able to adjust and adapt, and he's had a pretty solid year at that right tackle position. I think he's a far and away our best offensive alignment all around. He, he can pass protect pretty solidly, and he's a tremendous run blocker. And as it goes for all five guys, when they can get hats on hats on the front five, six defenders – and Dalvin Cook can get into that second level of defenders, it's game over. I mean, it's game over when the Minnesota Vikings can control the offensive line. And that's the key, in my opinion, to the rest of the season, really. I mean, through the first maybe six weeks, we didn't really know what the identity of this Minnesota Vikings offense was. Some weeks we were thrown to Justin Jefferson for three touchdowns and all kinds of yards. And then some weeks we were relying on Dalvin Cook. Obviously, Dalvin gets hurt and misses a few games, But through eight weeks as we're sitting right now going into week nine, a Monday night football game on the road in Chicago, a place we've struggled tremendously. We know the identity of this Vikings team. It's a run first offense. I mean, Zimmer said it this week in the press conference. We know exactly what this team is, and it's good to know that. It's good to know this is a run first team. It's good to know we have the best running back in the league and a very formidable offensive line, and we have a perfect quarterback to run this system. I mean, this is the, the system that Kirk Cousins thrives in, a system that can run the ball for 200 yards, and he has to make 30 throws a game and, and throws that aren't tremendously hard, but he needs to be accurate on, play action, and he needs to sell it. He is phenomenal in that role. We've seen it the last two weeks. Do you pay a quarterback $85 million for three seasons in that role? I don't know. That's the question. That's that, maybe be too much money, but in this role, Kirk Cousins is phenomenal. If he, is he overpaid? Yes, he probably is. But in this role, I think he's phenomenal. We know the, exactly the identity of this Vikings team. If they can control the line of scrimmage, and if those five guys we just talked about can continue to play the way the way they played the last two weeks, this Vikings team can absolutely win the last six out of their six of the last eight games. Like we mentioned on Monday, we went through every game, losing to the Saints and I believe the Tampa Bay Bucks. We said going six out of eight, uh, six of your your eight games remaining, this Vikings team can absolutely get into the playoffs. And it, it all falls, in my opinion, on the offensive line.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's the perfect combo that the Vikings have on offense right now. Uh, the defense is definitely a, a different story and a different issue, but they are getting better each week, especially with the corners, the young corners that we have had being out and even younger and more inexperienced corners coming in um, and actually playing pretty well. But yeah, back to the offense. It's the perfect combo with the run heavy offense. We got Delvin Cook going, the best league or the best running back in the league and past two weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. And much of that is due to the balance we've had on offense. The the offensive line is shifting into the best offensive line when it comes to rushing the offense in the league. Maybe after the Niners or the Browns, but um, Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback when he has time. And he has time recently because they're they're packing the box and they're playing the run because we average around five yards of carry. Um, not only that, but it opens up the play action pass, and Kirk is phenomenal off the play action. And the Vikings as a team have been a play action pass team in the past, however many years, and it's kind of a staple of our team. So that combo that we have um, that starts with the run game and opens up a lot for Kirk is is very hard to stop if you're a defense and especially if we can get our defense going and get up early in games um, and then have that combo of the heavy run game and the play action pass where you don't rely too much on Kirk just what's needed and he is far capable of doing what's needed and then some Um, I think one of the top quarterbacks when he has a clean pocket and he has time it's just tough to come back against uh, a team like that who has that balance so yeah, I think that the remainder of the season, like we've said before, it's a, it's a much easier schedule than us, or for us than the the first half of the season. And the Vikings are clicking right now, um, so I could see us making the playoffs. And you know, I honestly think we should with the teams we have left. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree, and I I I'll admit I completely ignored the defense this week in preparation for this Bears team because I have full confidence. And Mike Zimmer and maybe too much confidence in Zimmer that he's going to get this defense ready to go and we saw them play horrible in the first four weeks of the season and even up to this point they've had some series where they play terrible they play really really terrible and you're like what was that and then they have another series where they look like an all-world defense uh, but I, I think Mike Zimmer has firm control of this defense and I think they're going in the right direction and they're getting better every week uh, and as long as he's the head coach of this football team. I'm not too worried about the defense. Offensively, we know exactly what we have at quarterback. We know what we have at running back, the best running back in the league. We know we have at receivers on the outside, two of the best receivers in the entire National Football League. And we think we know what we have along the offensive line, at least the last two weeks. What we've seen is a dominant run-blocking offensive line. And if that continues, sky's the limit for this team in terms of the next eight weeks. I mean, this is a team that needs to control the line of scrimmage. If they continue to do that, they have a great chance to make the playoffs. And I don't think this is a team that can necessarily win a Super Bowl, but it is 2020. The COVID is very much an aspect at this point with surges going around the United States, and who knows what's going to happen this winter. When we get to January, who knows what it's going to be like. I mean, that's – three months from now, like anything could happen in the next three months, get into the playoffs, see what happens. Anyone can get sick. Anyone can be out of the game. Who knows if you make it into the playoffs in 2020. I'm not saying this team is a super bowl caliber team, but you never know. It's 2020.
2: Yeah. And it. I mean, it's too bad that we put ourselves in the scenario where we need to pretty much win six out of eight um, because we are three and five and, we're a much better team than our record shows. I think we're one of the most underrated teams in the NFL. Um, probably the most, if you look at our record, much better than a three and five team. And we're literally two or three pl- plays away from being a five and three team with wins over the Seattle Seahawks and the Titans, two pretty mm-hmm. good teams. Yep. So it's it's too bad. It'd be nice to look at the second half of our season, the, the easier half and being five and three with the remaining schedule we have, but I mean, it's our own fault. So uh, the young guys ha- have it tougher because we made it that way for ourselves, but um, it's, it's definitely an opportunity and we're much better than our, than our record shows.
1: Yep. Completely agree. We're not even going to talk about the bears cause they don't matter. If we play our best, it doesn't matter. Our best is good enough to win on Sunday or on Monday rather. And I, I think that's all we need to do play our best. Anything else, Gopher? Or I mean, uh, Viking and Bears related before we get into Gophers, Iowa. BG.
2: Yeah, one last thing. Um, just talking about COVID and being available uh, injuries uh, on today's or I guess yesterday's report. So uh, Thursday, the Vikings I think had three or four guys out, and oops, um, some of them are. I think most of them are the defensive backs and. Cameron Dansler is still out, but he's returning to practice after that head injury, which is good. Good, but yep. on the opposite side, the Bears on Thursday had 14 players on their team not practice. Oh boy! So a team that's already <laughs> hitting hitting a rough uh, slump in their season mm-hmm. with the quarterback situation, with just an atrocious offense, and then being banged up. I mean, it's this is the chance for the Vikings to turn the corner and. Go to Chicago where we haven't been suc- successful historically in Soldier Field and get one there and go four and five and take it one week at a time after that.
1: Yes, sir. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Monday night football. Kirk Cousins. It's gonna be big time. It's gonna be a big time win. Let's move on to Gophers and Hawkeyes. They play tonight. BG. It is game day here in Minnesota. Gophers versus Iowa. Friday night football. At TCF Bank Stadium, playing for the Floyd of Rosedale, and I, I don't really know if you knew or if, if the listeners know the backstory of the Floyd of Rosedale. Uh, Floyd of Rosedale. I did not know the backstory before I read this story uh, today from Scott Docterman from the Athletic. I'm gonna read a couple of paragraphs, but BG, before I get into it, do you know the backstory uh, of the uh, traveling trophy between Iowa and Minnesota?
2: I do not. Just know that it's a pig. It is certainly big. It
1: started in 1935, uh, so it's been around for, this is the 85th matchup. But this was a story I read today on The Athletic from Scott Docterman. uh, And I thought this little segment here, he had a couple paragraphs about the history of the trophy. And I thought it was written very well. And I just wanted to share a couple paragraphs here. So this is not my writing, I want to make sure we don't have any copyright issues. This is from Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Here he is uh, right now. Floyd of Rosedale is one of the nation's most iconic traveling trophies, and it's one of the most richest histories. Tempers flared between supporters of both the Iowa and Minnesota programs in the aftermath of a 48-12 Gophers victory in 1934. Minnesota defenders constantly pounded Iowa running back Ozzie Simmons, a black man from Texas and Iowa fans and media accused the Gophers of excessive violence based on race. The rhetoric continued over the summer and extended throughout the fall. The day before the teams were set to play the 1935 game in Iowa City, Iowa Governor Clyde Herring was attributed by an Associated Press reporter as saying, If the officials stand for any rough tactics like Minnesota used last year, I'm sure the crowd won't. In an instant, Minnesota officials were outraged and threatened to end the rivalry. In order to defuse the situation before it escalated beyond control, Minnesota Governor Floyd Olson sent a telegram to Herring. He wrote, quote, Minnesota folks are excited over your statement about Iowa crowds lynching the Minnesota football team. I have assured them you are a law-abiding gentlemen and are only trying to get our goat. I will bet you a Minnesota prize hog against an Iowa prize hog. That Minnesota wins. Herring accepted the bet and the teams played a tough competitive game with Minnesota prevailing 13-6 to before a record attendance at Iowa Stadium. The next week, Herring paid his debt with a 220-pound porker from Rosedale Farm near Fort Dodge, Iowa. The hog was named Floyd of Iowa, or Floyd of Rosedale, after the Minnesota governor and the location of his birth. Three months later, Olsen commissioned a Browns replica to serve as a permanent trophy between the programs beginning with the 1936 game. It remains an important piece of tradition for both programs, and the trophy is at stake for the 85th time. So that was Scott Docterman from The Athletic and BG. I had no idea on the backstory. I thought that was pretty cool.
2: It was really cool. I had no idea either. It makes me want to look up all the different Big Ten trophy rivalries and see what the history is behind those. Cause some of those, I mean, a lot of those, the Brown jug, whatever those, those don't make sense, but mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sure there's one reason or another that they, they have the trophies that they have.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a new thing we're going to do here, go through every trophy game and find the backstory yeah. of why that trophy game is. But I, I mean, that, that is, I mean, it's really cool. It's kind of civil unrest between the two States, uh, you know, racial divide and what brings them together is a football game uh, over a trophy. And, and that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it was very cool.
1: Uh, I don't have a whole lot on this game uh, other than the Gophers defense is awful. And you just got to hope that they get a little bit better this week. And if they can just get a little bit better, yeah, you got to imagine that the Gophers offense has enough to overcome this Iowa team.
2: Yeah, I mean it's pretty similar to the Vikings. I think um, comparably, the Gophers' defense is much worse than the Vikings is, but both bad, subpar defenses, and both unbelievable ru- rushing—excuse <clears throat> me—rushing offenses, and two running backs who have torn it up this season, especially the last two weeks for both of them. But yeah, for this game against the Iowa, it's two good programs that have not got off to a hot start and haven't started the season the way they wanted to I know both teams are really going to want to win hopefully the Gophers a little more after uh, remembering what happened last season um, with that tough loss to Iowa Mm -hmm. but I mean I think this is the Gophers game to win Uh, Iowa's got the new quarterback we have a dynamic offense and hopefully the defense gained some confidence after last week letting up 14 points against a (laughs) very shitty Illinois team but I mean, 14 points is better than 40 that you've been putting up. So right. I'm hoping that the young guys and experienced guys can take that um, as a positive and put that towards Iowa and we can walk away with our second win of the season and get back at those Hawkeyes.
1: Yes, sir. It's always good to beat your rivals and it'll be a big one tonight. Uh, and I mean, really when you look at it, this this Gophers team has been decimated by COVID already. And that first game against Michigan with all the special teams guys missing and Minnesota being outmatched in that game really couldn't afford uh, to miss any, you know, any players from any sort of their units. And when it came across all the kickers on the special teams, that was really the final straw that, I mean, not the final straw, we lost by 20 points, but still, I mean, if you have that part of your game, is it a completely different ball game? And, and there's questions to be raised about that. If you have your kickoffs not giving up 70 yard kickoff returns to the five yard line and you have an actual kicker going back there and you have, you know, extra points being made and field goals being made, is it a completely different ball game? And there's definitely questions to be raised when you think about that. But I mean, in a season where the Gophers are one and two, start at 0 and two, just like Iowa. Uh, you just gotta look for little improvement. I mean, it's a crazy season. Uh, the uncertainty of everything going on in the world right now. You just gotta look for little improvements at a time. I mean, this is not the same Gopher team that was nine and zero last year going into Iowa City. Uh, they got beat by an eight Stanley team. I mean, this is two completely different teams at this point. Um, Iowa, from the standpoint of having a new quarterback and trying to transition him into the next couple of years of being a quarterback at Iowa. Andy always talks about how first year under uh, new quarterbacks at Iowa, is, is always a rough year. I mean, this is not the Nate Stanley, Iowa team we saw last year, and this is not the Gopher team we saw last year. I mean, a very similar offense uh, without Daniel Falale and Curtis Dunlap Jr. for the first three games. Maybe we'll see them uh, against Iowa tonight. I don't know because the, the the COVID with COVID and the injury report, it, it's very confusing uh, among the NCAA level as they don't release – who has COVID, who's going to play, uh, who's injured. They don't distinguish between the two um, at this point. So we just have to wait and see See who's on the field on on uh, tonight uh, against the Hawkeyes. And hopefully you have Daniel Falale and Curtis Dunlap Jr. back among this offensive line, two guys that started last year and who haven't played a single snap so far this season.
2: And it's crazy what our offensive line has been able to do and Ibrahim has been able to do without those guys. It's, it's almost scary if you're a Big Ten defense going against us and looking at the, the stat lines and the numbers that we've put up in the past couple of weeks without two um, of our offensive line, one being a 400-plus pound guy. But, yeah, I think tonight's game is, is going to be a shootout. I don't, I don't think really anybody in the Big Ten, maybe minus Ohio State, can stop the Gophers' offense uh, throughout four quarters. And Iowa, I don't think, certainly can this season. And at the same time, Gophers can't stop anybody except Illinois so far. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because we lack defense and we have a very good offense. So I I would imagine that would favor the Gophers because Iowa is not explosive on either end this season. But it's the 2020 Gophers, and as we've seen through the first three games, you don't really know what to expect. Yeah, you
1: certainly don't. Uh, BG, correct me if I'm wrong, but CBS Sports has Iowa as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite heading into this matchup. Is that what uh, you've been seeing?
2: I actually have not seen the spread on it yet. Okay. so
1: Yeah, I mean, based on CBS Sports uh, Thursday night edition, it was a a (laughs) three-and-a-half-point game. Subject to change, obviously, uh, as we move closer to kickoff. But I was surprised to see that line, uh, and we're gonna yeah. do pick segment like I mentioned um, on Instagram. So it'll be later this week, this this weekend. So we, we're not gonna pick the Gopher Iowa game, but three and a half, I'm taking Gophers all day on that.
2: Yeah, like you said, we're not gonna be um, putting that on the Instagram in one of our bets. But I'll tell you what, I'm for sure betting on the Gophers money line to upset the Hawkeyes because I think absolutely no way. I. I, I if I had to guess, I would have uh, I would have guessed that it would have been a pick'em line where it's pretty much uh, money line for each one, and there's no spread just because it's pretty even. But to have plus three points, I mean, wow, it's a gimme. It feels like stealing candy from a Yeah.
1: All righty, that will wrap up Iowa Gopher preview. Uh, Road the boat, sky Uman. go Gophers. It's gonna win tonight, BG. School. All right, BG, last thing here. You got a little nugget on us for um, high school basketball. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's a nugget, but just a little bit about high school basketball. So yesterday, I don't know if you saw on ESPN2, there was a high school basketball showcase, uh, a game, or I guess two games that they were showing, Mm -hmm. um, and they do that every year. Usually it's like Montverde Academy in Florida, Oak Hill, I think they're from Virginia and just those prep schools. Yep. And last night they were showing a prep school from Michigan, where Amani Bates, if you know him, where he plays high school basketball. I don't. And then team Who is team here? Sizzle from Minnesota.
1: Oh yeah, I know uh, team Sizzle for sure.
2: Yep. Yeah, I think Jalen Suggs' dad, yep. is the owner or founder of Team Sizzle, but. Um, that was on ESPN2, so I was watching that, and it was a really good game. Uh, Team Sizzle having Chet Holmgren, uh, the tall uh, stick figure from high oh, yeah. Academy.
1: Yep. The big and he's the 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 big number white dude, dude, right?
2: Big white dude. He's oh, the number yeah. one player in the country um, for the class of 2021, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. And then the prep school from Michigan had Imani Bates, who he's been hyped up and talked about probably since he was like 10 years old about being the next greatest player of all time to come through. And he's the number one player in the 2022 class, but oh, wow. it was really cool because those guys are both big guys, um, Chet and Amani Bates. So they were guarding each other uh, mm-hmm. throughout the whole game and they both <laughs> played phenomenal, but the little Minnesota team ended up winning by about eight. Oh yeah. Let's go. Uh, cool. So it was good to see, especially Minnesota basketball, getting that recognition, which we've talked about a lot, which oh, yeah. they don't, and to be on ESPN2 and play great. Um, it was sweet. Uh, Chet had 31 points, 12 rebounds, and I think six blocks, and just looked unstoppable. And Bates had 36 points and looked really good. So it was fun to see them, especially Minnesota basketball players getting that national spotlight and balling out. So Definitely. That's, that's my two cents.
1: Hey I love those two cents there I, I mean we we definitely have hammer on this in, in the basketball months about how good we think Minnesota basketball is particularly among the AAU and high school level how much talent there is in this state and it's cool to see you know that kind of stuff on ESPN has there been any sort of buzz around his chet Holmgren's recruiting is he is he going to be a Minnesota golden Gopher or is it pretty much set that he's not going to be a golden Gopher? <laughs>
2: That's the plan um I, they're showing he's down to seven schools, like gonzaga, Michigan, North Carolina, Minnesota, yep. and then whoever else am um, if i <laughs> if I had to bet on that, I would say he would not play for the Gophers yep um, but it is it, it is cool because his dad played for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and we've had a bunch of recruits five star four star recruits in the past five years and Thought absolutely no way we get him. I still think that because he's the number one player in the nation, but none of those guys' dads have played for the Gophers. So I guess um, we'll be optimistic about that. But I I, I think no way. If I had to guess, I'm.
1: Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. Uh, I'd say to probably go back other. to Amir Coffey, the last time uh, a Minnesota yeah. guy, a top recruit. I mean, he's not, obviously, Amir Coffee wasn't the top recruit in the nation, but he was one of the top guys coming out of Minnesota. His dad played for the Gophers. He went to Minnesota. Hopefully uh, that's the same with Chet.
2: Yeah, Coffee and Oturu, because Oturu had an offer from Kansas. But other than that, not a lot of guys. If I had to guess, I'm I'm saying Chet's going to go to Gonzaga, where his former teammate, uh, Jalen Suggs is at right now, but hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he's a Gopher.
1: All right, we're gonna uh, mark the spot of the podcast here. Whenever Chet commits, we're gonna take a look at this. And I think, I mean, I think that's a great bet. I think it's a very good bet. But the only thing is, Gonzaga, you know, they like the foreign guys. So Chet, I mean, he doesn't have that, you know, that foreign. I mean, you know, he is a big white dude. He could probably say he's from like, you know, Eastern Europe. Well, he's got a
2: foreign name or just a weird name. True,
1: true. So that, I mean, you're kind of talking <laughs> me into it. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's a good nugget. Thank yep. you, BG. Yep. We'll be back next week recapping the Iowa-Minnesota game and obviously the Vikings and Bears game on Monday night football. Go Vikes. Row the boat. Sky you mom We'll see you guys all next week.
0: Another turning point of folks stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life The photographs and still frames in your mind. Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times. Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial. For what it's worth, it was worth all the while. It's something unpredictable, in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. we <laughs>